mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Hancock County will receive one of only a half dozen grants awarded nationally aimed at addressing children's mental health needs. We'll talk about how the Family Resource Center will put that funding to use locally through the System of Care Project. Also this morning, ahead of the annual enrollment period, some advice from Medicare recipients on factoring in the effect of record inflation when analyzing your health care options. And we have details on the latest Family and Consumer Sciences program from the Hancock County OSU Extension. Jennifer Little will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, October 10th, 2022. National Metric Day today. I wonder what would have happened if uh, if that had caught on, you know, back in the uh, 70s. Where would we be now? I mean, we'd, we'd pretty much be, uh, along with the rest of the world, on the metric system by now, you would think, had that actually caught on. We just, you know, they, they introduced it back in the uh, 70s, said, we're going to go metric, and everybody went, <laughs> and then they just dropped it, and uh, that was the end of it, so... Anyway, it was kind of like when they uh, introduced the dollar coin because they said it was going to save money in the uh, long run because coins last longer than dollar bills and they were going to phase out the dollar bill. They're just going to go to the dollar coin. And then they, uh, the people decided, public, the American public decided they didn't like the idea of a dollar coin and, and they just abandoned it. And, I'm, and I said at the time uh, of that, and, and the metric system is kind of the same thing, if they had just gone forward with the idea you know public sentiment be damned and just move forward with it what were we going to do <laughs> i mean what are we going to go someplace else to get our money are we going to go someplace else to uh do our measurements i mean if they just soldiered through and uh and said no we're going to do this by golly and that'll be the end of it uh we might be on the metric system today but no we're not uh so anyway national metric day just thought that was kind of interesting on the uh, list of uh, happenings today. It is World Handbag Day, so there is that. World Homeless Day. It is Cake Decorating Day. Uh, Shift 10 Day. I have no idea what that's all about. Shift 10 Day. Hug a Drummer Day. National Tuxedo Day. I like this. National Kick Butt Day. If you need a little motivation on this Monday... Today is a day to kick your butt into high gear. Kick butt day. Um, It is World Mental Health Day. And of course, it is Columbus Day. Or, if you prefer, Indigenous Peoples Day. So, you can celebrate one, the other, or both, I suppose. I mean, there's no law that says you can't celebrate both, right? Anyway... So Halloween is almost here, and uh, that means it is time to talk about ghosts and scary things, haunted things. Travel and Leisure Magazine is out with a list of the top haunted cities in America. The top haunted cities in America. And coming in at number one is New Orleans. Rumored to be haunted by the likes of Andrew Jackson and the notorious pirate Jean Lafitte. New Orleans, and it is kind of a uh, a creepy type of uh, of city. Just about every 
Well, I don't want to say this. That's That may be overstating it, that every creepy movie is set in New Orleans, but a lot of creepy movies set in New Orleans. And um, they're very famous for, you know, the uh, uh, occult uh, tie-ins to the bayou and, and all of that, very mysterious and scary and all that. So New Orleans, the number one haunted city in America. Chicago, the site of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, uh, takes second place, the second most haunted city in America. Number three is Savannah, Georgia. Um, St. Augustine, Florida, America's oldest city, is in fourth place. And uh, rounding out the top five, Portland, Oregon. So the uh, top five haunted cities in America. Wouldn't you think Salem, Massachusetts would be the you know the home of the Salem witch trials and all of that? To say that Salem, Massachusetts would be. And um, what about Amityville, New York? That would be one that would have to be on the list. Uh, I would think. There were, I mean, you could go on and on and on. Um, these things in but uh, those are the top five according to travel and leisure magazine the top haunted cities in america as we uh, count down to halloween now that we are uh into the month of october by the way speaking of uh scary things haunted things and such um this is a uh, time of the year for scary movies and have you ever watched a scary movie and then not been able to sleep after or at the very least you want to sleep with the lights on <laughs> maybe maybe with a nightlight even as an adult go ahead you can admit it uh, there is a scientific reason behind the idea of wanting to sleep with the lights on after a scary movie even when you know the scary movie is not real. Sleep psychologist Dr. Catherine Hall says scary movies are designed to heighten your emotions. And of course, that's not a great revelation. We know that. But she says they use psychological tricks to create illusions of suspense and danger, which in turn can cause real life stress and anxiety. We then bring this stress to bed with us, making our brains unable to relax and switch off. So she says, instead, try watching something lighthearted or funny. Uh, try discussing the film with family and friends or avoiding caffeine and alcohol before bed. And that will help you avoid the uh, bad dreams after a scary movie. So there you go. It'll also ruin all the fun. But, you know, that's uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, it looks like Halloween is going to uh, suffer the consequences of high inflation just like everything else. Uh, the cost of Halloween candy is expected to be up 34% compared to last year. 34% rise in the cost of handing out Halloween treats to the little ones. And um, they say as a result, there might be Fewer full-size candy bars this year and more apples and raisins in your kids' trick-or-treat pail. Oh, boy. That'll make the kids happy. But it'll be, it'll be, a, lesson, it'll be a lesson in real-world economics, I guess. Um, and here's the other thing. While prices are increasing, some candies 
are getting smaller in size. So not just inflation, but shrinkflation is hitting the trick-or-treat pail. Hershey's has reduced 18-ounce packs of dark chocolate kisses by about 2 ounces. The price did not change, but they have reduced the size of the package. So, again, shrinkflation is the same, only different. Um, Mars. Uh, Mars candies, they say, have raised their prices the least. So everybody's prices for candy this Halloween are up, but Mars has raised their prices the least. So that means uh, among those houses that are still handing out candy this year, Three Musketeers, M&M's, Milky Way, Snickers, Twix, and Skittles uh, are going to be the uh, go-to items. That's not bad. Those are are pretty good ones uh, all in all. So I suppose could be a lot worse. Mars has raised their prices the least this Halloween. Uh, Other interesting stories here among the first things you need to know this morning. According to data from a new report, the slowest fast food drive through in America. And I was shocked by this. But apparently, let me tell you, before I tell you is the slowest drive through in America, let me give you some of the methodology here. Researchers surveyed thousands of customers at different restaurants and recorded the time it took for a customer to get through the drive through line and get their food. Uh, the slowest drive through in America. Do you believe this? Chick-fil-A. That's what they say. I, I know. I, every time I go through Chick-fil-A, it's like they've got it down to a science. And it is, it seems like that now the, the drive through is always really long, but you get through very, very quickly. So I was surprised by this, but Chick-fil-A came in last place with an average of 325 seconds from entering the drive through to getting your food. Um, they said it was mainly because Chick-fil-A is much busier than most of their competitors, um, which is true. But again, I've always felt, at least for me anyway, it seems like they're they're very quick. They're very efficient. Uh, and this is kind of interesting. Taco Bell was ranked the fastest of all of the fast food drive throughs with an average of 222 seconds from entering the line to getting your food. Uh, Dunkin Donuts and KFC were second and third. So Taco Bell, Dunkin Donuts, KFC, and then Chick-fil-A dead last on the list. It's just I'm still flabbergasted by that. But uh, anyway. And how about this? Uh, This is maybe some big news. It's the first time that this has happened in 50 years. Exactly 50 years, as a matter of fact. There is a lot of speculation about who will win this year's Nobel Peace Prize. And at least one analyst believes that they might not award a Nobel Peace Prize this year. And you think about it. Peaceful is not exactly the word historians are going to use to describe 2022. I get that. But if they decide not to award the Nobel Peace Prize this year, it'd be the first time since 1972. So exactly 50 years ago. Uh, Steve, I'm sorry, Steve. Sver 
I just looked at that, glanced at it, and realized it was wrong. Sver Lodgard, researcher at the Norwegian Institute of International Affairs, says nobody can claim to have made any great breakthroughs in the field of peace. In 2022, the conflicts seem never-ending. Treaties seem to be there to be violated. And so, as such, he says, there may not be a Nobel Peace Prize this year. Which life will go on. It's not, you know, the end of the world, necessarily. Although, (laughs) maybe that's what he's saying. It is the end of the world. But um, it's not obviously the first time that they have not awarded a Peace Prize in 1972. Uh, There have actually been 19 years in the 121-year history of the Nobel Peace Prize. There have been 19 years in which it wasn't awarded. uh, The last in 72, so 50 years ago, nine of the 19 years in which there was no Peace Prize awarded were during World War I and World War II. So... Kind of interesting. We'll wait and see. I don't know. When is it that they normally announce the uh, Nobel? I know they've announced the Nobel Prizes for medicine and science and, you know, economics and, you know, all of these things. And I I know they've already named some of those. I don't know when uh, they normally announce the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, but maybe not this year. I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Dimchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today, a high of 69. It'll be mostly clear tonight, a low of 45. A Finley woman was convicted of aggravated vehicular homicide in connection with a Seneca County crash that killed a man from Finley. The Seneca County prosecuting attorney says Tiffany P. Robertson faces up to five years in prison when she's sentenced at a later date, as well as a mandatory driver license suspension. After the verdict was read, Robertson's bond was revoked and she was taken to the Seneca County Jail. The crash happened in the summer of 2020 on County Road 59, east of County Road 45 in southwest Seneca County. The Highway Patrol says a 35-year-old motorcyclist from Finley was killed when he was struck head-on by Robertson's vehicle. Get more on the case on the website. The judge in Cincinnati who had imposed a temporary restraining order against Ohio's heartbeat abortion ban has now made it permanent. This allows for abortions up to 20 weeks of pregnancy in the state, while a state constitutional challenge proceeds. A spokesperson for Attorney General Yost says they will wait and review the judge's actual written order and consult with the governor's administration as far as next steps. I'm Yolanda Harris. An Ohio pastor is facing several charges in connection with the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. William Dunphy is a pastor at the Christian Church New Beginning Ministries in Warsaw, Ohio. That's in Coshocton County. He is charged with obstructing an official proceeding and interfering with a law enforcement officer after he allegedly entered the Capitol. So far, more than 870 people have been arrested in connection to the riots. Onan's Dave Chodowski reporting that the man is also a partner in a construction company and was identified in part because he wore a company-branded jacket on January 6th. A lot of Finley Trojans lie in the streets to watch the Finley City Schools homecoming parade on Friday. That's the sound of the Finley Trojans marching band in the parade. People cheered on the different floats and homecoming court members as they passed on by, and the youngsters grabbed all the candy that was tossed their way. You can see video of the parade on the website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. 
So now to our cover story this morning. Today is World Mental Health Day. And with that, it's another Mental Health Monday. You might have heard the report last week. Hancock County will be receiving one of only about a half a dozen grants awarded nationally aimed at addressing children's mental health needs. Scott Lammers is the System of Care Project Manager for the Family Resource Center. who will be putting that funding to use locally. And uh, Scott, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Um, I want to start with just the the question. As I understand it, this is a follow-up grant. Because my first thought is, I mean, you know, this is one of only a half a dozen locally or, or nationally. So why Findlay? Is it uh, is it because we have? I mean, initially, my first thought is it is that because it is such an acute problem here, more so than anywhere else. Um, I don't know that directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like why Finley is and why Hancock County in, in particular is because uh, this is our second round of funding, and mm-hmm. we were very successful in in the first. Uh, so this, yeah. So this is our second four-year grant okay. uh, for the system of care. And the system of care, uh, the general idea behind the grant is to try to help a continuum of care for the youth here in uh, Hancock County. Mm-hmm. So making sure that um, uh, there's peer support for families and youth, that we are able to provide funding for maybe some sports equipment or something like that to keep kids involved, uh, things of that nature. Um. We had uh, we were talking about this uh, story, similar story, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, on the program, uh, speaking with the folks at the uh, Children's Hospitals uh, nationwide, and they uh, mentioned that in their data there had been a thirty one percent jump in the uh, mental health cases among youth year over year uh, last year. Have we seen a similar jump? I mean, we point to the pandemic, and we know that that had an impact on all of us, certainly had an impact on youth. We also know that mental health issues among youth are not necessarily new, but have we have we seen a similar jump? I mean, would that be a fair uh, number? I would I would certainly say that the the need is is growing, mm-hmm. um, and the more. I guess nowadays children are more used to being able to talk about feeling anxious and what that means to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think part of that number may be uh, hopefully stigma is starting to go away with people talking about. So not so much an increase in the incidence, but just a willingness to open up about it. We know about it. And and it could be, I'm just not familiar with the data source at at the moment, but um, the fact that there is more of a need Mm -hmm. that is available or that is showing is yeah. is what makes the available funds that we have so monumental. And and so how will you be using this grant money well, again uh, to continue this program, uh, the system of care? Uh, so I guess the better question is not how will you be using this kind of is how have you been using the grant money to this point and sure. obviously continuing uh, to use that moving forward. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to start by, by, I'd mentioned peer support a second ago. So if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with peer support, it's actually um, pairing people that have mental health challenges that are involved in multiple systems um, that they actually have a peer that's been through this before to talk to. So it's not a counselor or a therapist. It's someone that they can be a bit more real with, which is really nice. Um, we've also provided some case management 
Um, I, I had mentioned sports equipment, so that would be access to what we call flex funds, which um, provide the ability for some sort of therapeutic purpose to be able to have maybe family bonding or be able to get kids access to different activities and things like that. It's interesting just to interject here that that's not necessarily something that I think a lot of people would nece- would necessarily draw the parallel. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, but again, I guess when you think about it, it makes sense that there would be you know, psychological benefits to things like there that. There is. Um, some of the other things that we have done is we're really trying to build out an infrastructure to support um, youth and family voices. So, some of the things that we're doing are training local Hancock County uh, professionals on safety, uh, those that go into folks' homes. Um, we have this Youth Thrive framework that we are pushing out, which really uh, focuses on the development and well-being of youth that might not have the opportunities as uh, some of us have been able to have. It's interesting you you mentioned that uh, in in building the infrastructure, because in that same segment that we did a couple of weeks ago with the uh, folks at Children's Hospitals, uh, one of the other challenges that was brought up in that, and if people are interested in in hearing that, you go back to the podcast and and scroll back a couple of weeks and you'll find that there. But uh, they also pointed out that there are only, and again, this is a national uh, number, but only about half of the professionals professionals who are needed to address the growing uh, number of of children that have mental health issues that need to be addressed. So not only have you got an increase in the number of cases, but finding enough professionals or finding the professionals with those skills yeah. is a challenge. And we're, it's we're, interesting. I'd, I would certainly say that workforce development is a big aspect of the new iteration of the grant. Mm-hmm. We're looking to expand the number of peer support that we have available. Um, we get enough referrals of people coming in that need those services that uh, expansion is certainly evident that we need to be able to do it, that. How different is dealing with uh, mental health issues among children and teenagers? How is that different than adults? Are there a different skill set that's required? Uh, there is. I'm not clinical, so I, I won't go too deep into that. Some mm-hmm. of this will be speculative on my end. Yeah. But um, sometimes children can be a bit more open. Um, there are ways that you can get them to, to talk a bit more. Sometimes mm. teenagers can be a bit more reserved and in their own world, mm. um, where adults have been through life. And um, it's hard for, no matter how old you are, it can be very hard to ask for help. Mm-hmm. and realize that, that there is help available for you. It's interesting you mentioned the life experience. Uh, in, in the case of kids, a lack thereof can make it a, a bit challenging. It's hard to put tough times in perspective is. when you have such a smaller body of life experiences to begin with. Sure, and this new grant, um, while we serve all ages of youth um, up to 21 years of age, uh, we'll be focusing on uh, eight to fourteen year olds. So, really looking at folks that are coming into um, making friends and high school. And whenever we think back to some of the toughest times of our lives growing up, mm-hmm. that's the area that this new grant is really going to be focusing on. So, uh, so this will be uh, this this new grant. Uh, will allow you to continue programs that have already been established and then expand on those as well. Correct. And, and hopefully over the next four years, come up with some new things as well. 
Um, so just talk a little bit about since we're since we're discussing uh, children's mental health issues and and so on. What are some of the uh, warning signs? What are the what are some of the things that families can watch for or maybe should be concerned about sure. and, and that kind of thing. Again, I'm not clinical. Right. Uh, so I always like to point that out. Right. But um, changes in behavior is something that's a really big warning sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of the youth we serve might not have a good home life. Maybe they have been bounced around between a lot of foster care or maybe um, – they don't have a, a tr- traditional family structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so teachers and guidance counselors can be the ones that actually can notice a change in behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably a, a really big yeah. in- indicator that, that I, there could be something going on. I wonder, uh, too, uh, for just average folks, um, if, you know, if I have a teenager uh, who brings home a friend to hang out with after school or on sure. the weekends, um you know, knowing the backstory and watching for, you know, those signs can be, uh, can be helpful. Certainly. Um, it also may be if you're the right kind of person to see an opportunity to help that youth that is now maybe coming around your child. Um, but being cognizant of who your, uh, your children are hanging out with mm-hmm. is certainly important. Yeah. Um, and, and then what are the, what are the first steps to maybe getting a youth, uh, help? Uh, again, maybe it's our own uh, family or uh, a friend of a son or daughter or sure. something that uh, might open up in a in a moment of. I would definitely say that the first steps would be to try to ask for help. Um, and since we're part of a system of care, we're not too concerned of where you're going to get help. Just asking for help is is what's really important, and um, making people feel that uh, they're valued regardless of where they're coming from. So mm-hmm. talking to a teacher, sometimes a coworker, obviously being from the Family Resource Center, uh, we are a great resource to turn to to talk to mm-hmm. if um, you're not feeling great or if you think that you might need some help. Um, Hancock County, we're very fortunate. We have a wonderful infrastructure here. A lot of organizations work really well together. We have a... Um, this no wrong door, I don't want to call it necessarily mm-hmm. a policy, but right. it's awesome that someone could call Family Resource Center for help. And instead of saying, no, we're the wrong people that, that yeah. you're supposed to speak to, we right. know how to refer to the correct organization to make sure that people are taken care of. Yeah. Uh, again, the uh, system of care, uh, now the recipient of another uh, grant, uh, one of uh, only a handful awarded nationally that will uh, – uh, help address further address uh, those children's mental health needs. Again, Scott Lammers is the uh, project manager for the Family Resource Center. Uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information. And uh, Scott, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Chris, it. Thank you so much. This was great. Well, we're getting into the time of the year when we're going to be revisiting this subject quite a bit over the next several weeks. The annual Medicare enrollment period opens the middle of this month, and we are joined by Bob O'Connor, Vice President at Aetna Medicare, CBS Health Company, as we know. And uh, Bob, you make the point that uh, obviously the uh, inflation rate right now at 40-year highs, inflation right now for just about anyone on Medicare is higher than it has ever been for as long as they have been on Medicare, if you think about it that way. So it's even more important than ever for 
those Americans to make decisions in a cost-effective way? It really is, Chris. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, Medicare can be confusing. There's a lot of options available in the Toledo area, and people's mailboxes are starting to fill up. And so I think I can help cut through some of that clutter today and, you know, tell people what they need to be thinking about. So what should seniors be thinking about? And again, a lot of these things are are, uh, things to keep in mind every year, but especially because we are all so much more cost conscious right now. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is looking at what your monthly budget is and what your insurance might currently be costing. Some people have a monthly premium. They want to make sure that they can afford it make sure they can afford the co-pays. And when they're looking at new plans, they want to make sure that the new plan has their current providers in it. Is your doctor, is your hospital in it? And also looking at the prescription drugs. You know, each of the companies have different drug lists. Uh, They might cover the drugs differently. And those things, Chris, even change year over year. In fact, at Aetna, we took nearly 300 medications and we took them from being uh, $45 or even $100 down to zero or just a couple of dollars. And so, you know, really big savings for people because nearly 80% of seniors are on two or more medications. And so, you know, understanding what those costs are really important. You know, and also the extra benefits. Companies have added a lot of extra benefits over the last few years and so those continue to grow and there's even new innovative ones this year so uh, a couple of really important points to underscore there that number one the plans uh, do change uh, from year to year so what may have been the right plan last year may or may not still be the right plan this year and then you mentioned uh, ways to make sure that those on medicare can unlock the most value uh, out of their plans by knowing the full wealth of benefits that are available. Right, right. And so, you know, each of these plans might have a different focus. They might be focused on having lower medical co-pays. They might have a focus on some of those supplemental benefits. A lot of our plans include coverage for dental, for example. Uh, Other plans might be more focused on things like the eyewear or the hearing aids. But all of our plans include coverage for over-the-counter items. And so coverage for things like vitamins or even band-aids and toothpaste, you know, things that cost on a local basis um, every single month, you know, you can have those sent right to your house via a catalog or go into a local CVS and pick them up off the shelf. Um, We've also done some enhancements in terms of some of those extra innovative benefits. And so, for example, a lot of our plans now include a healthy food card. And so we all know how much inflation is at the grocery store. And so, uh, you know, good food is expensive. And so we have a card on a lot of our programs that will help people out in terms of being able to food afford those healthy fruits and vegetables, good proteins, good meats, um, pantry staples, you know, all all sorts of things that people are paying for out of pocket right now, you know, they can have coverage uh, for, you know, maybe as part of their health plan because good food is good medicine. Well, that's uh, actually kind of leads into the uh, question that I wanted to ask next. And and that is uh, to talk about some of the benefits that may be available that not only will help lower the cost uh, the out-of-pocket cost uh, of, of health care, but also can help actively save people money uh, on top of that. Yeah, so one of the other things that we added, Chris, in a lot of our programs is coverage for things like utilities. We all know how energy costs are going up, and so 
we actually have a, a benefit where you can move some of that funding to cover your electric bill, hmm. um, your water bill, or even internet. And so, you know, if you, if you add up the value of the food card, the utilities, you know, and, and also we've enhanced the dental benefit too. So you're oftentimes seeing coverage for things like crowns and root canals and, and even implants. Would it be fair to say that that uh, is one of those uh, areas where people don't think, I mean, like you said, uh, this can be complicated. You get uh, inundated with a lot of information and that part of it, those uh, money saving aspects uh, uh, that are available in plans uh, may be the part that goes most often overlooked and or underutilized. I think that's absolutely true. And so, so definitely recommend that people, you know, look at new plans. Uh, you, you know, you should give yourself an insurance checkup every once in a while, just like you go to the doctor for a medical checkup. Right. Make sure you're getting everything that you're entitled to and learning about the new plans. And also why it's important to start right now. I mean, it's very easy, and, and I'm as guilty of this as, as anyone, when I know I've got a, a, a long time to you know, finalize and make a decision, I tend to put that off. But this, uh, because of its very nature, is something that you want to start looking at now and not yeah, put Chris, off until then. It sounds the like people have a lot, a lot of time um, since the enrollment season goes through December 7th. But in fact, the time goes fast. And, you know, it's important that people research it early and, you know, check things out and make sure they leave themselves time to make a good decision. Again, Bob O'Connor is Vice President at Aetna Medicare, CVS Health Company. Where do we get uh, more information and uh, resources and such uh, on sorting out uh, all of those options? Yeah, that's the good news, Chris. There's some places people can go. There's some great local agents right in the area, and so you might know one already, or we can help you find one. You can also go to the federal government's website at medicare.gov, enter your zip code, find out about the plans in your area. And we also would love for people to learn about Aetna at aetnamedicare.com or give us a call and we will um, get you hooked up. Again, it is a, a topic we will be revisiting quite a bit over the next several weeks, but now is the time to get started. Bob O'Connor, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We got a lot of broken news uh, this morning. Folks were very busy over the weekend, apparently. Uh, four, four daycare workers in Mississippi have been fired after purposefully uh, scaring children for a video that they posted online. <laughs> I, I laugh just simply because in what universe do they think this was a good idea? Workers at the Little Blessings Child Care and Learning Center decided to make videos of themselves dressing in a scream mask and shouting at the children while chasing them around the classroom. <laughs> The videos of the kids screaming and crying were posted online and quickly went viral. Parents were understandably outraged, and the owner of the daycare, one Sheila Sanders, released a statement saying she was unaware of the videos and has now fired the employees involved. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> uh, it's one thing if you decide to do that, terrorize your own kids, but other people's kids... I can see where they would be upset by that. 
Uh, let's see what else is uh, going on in the uh, broken news. This is kind of interesting. Uh, back in 2021, the height of the coronavirus pandemic, Aaron Phoenix was told to get a hobby uh, for his mental health. He was struggling, as many of us were. Is that you need to get a hobby? Well, that hobby is now turned into a collection of 300 tarantulas. Yes, I said tarantulas. Is the hobby he decided to take up. Uh, Mr. Phoenix says everyone has their passion and I have found mine. He admits that the pets were an adjustment for his wife and daughters, but they're now supportive. He's even joined an active online community and shares his furry pets on social media. In addition to the 300 tarantulas, no, he didn't stop there. Aaron has three scorpions, three praying mantises, and a centipede. And apparently no friends. Wow. Creepy. Weird. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Speaking of Halloween and creepy things, a restaurant in Cambridge, Cambridge, Massachusetts is asking for the public's help uh, to locate a skeleton arm that was stolen from their restaurant as part of their uh, Halloween decorations. A skeleton arm. The uh, restaurant uh, uh, posted on social media along with a surveillance video that shows a woman uh, tear the arm off of a 12-foot skeleton decoration outside the restaurant uh, the morning of October 4th, just after midnight. She tears the woman off, or she the woman tears the arm off the skeleton and runs off. Uh, the uh, post says, if you know of this, uh, who this person is, please let us know. And we want to get our skeleton arm back. Why would you do that? What is, I mean, what's the uh, purpose? You steal a uh, skeleton. I've heard of Dine and Dash, but that's a little much. <clears throat> Get their skeleton arm back. What would you do with that after you've stolen it? I don't know. Speaking of uh, restaurants, a couple of Florida men have been arrested for allegedly stealing 7,000 pounds of used cooking oil behind a local barbecue restaurant in Flagler County. A deputy was patrolling the area near Highway 100 and Interstate 95 when he reportedly spotted... The two men wearing headlights, you know, there's a headlight, the lighted headgear, the headlight and uh, pumping oil into large drums on a truck. Apparently, these guys own a company that buys and recycles old cooking oil. But in this case, they decided why buy it when we can steal it. (laughs) Uh, Apparently. The uh, sheriff in Flagler County says theft of cooking oil is on the rise. Um, Used cooking oil is uh, used to make soaps, animal feed, even cosmetics. And there's good money to be made. 7,000 pounds of used cooking oil. Just an unusual theft. Let's see here. Uh, Now, this is a crazy story. Police in Oregon are warning the public after several military hand grenades have washed ashore in the Newport area. (laughs) This has been happening over the last week. The Newport, Oregon Police Department 
So they responded to reports of three separate explosive devices being discovered lying on the sand. Uh, yeah, apparently just washed ashore. The uh, Oregon State Police bomb squad had to step in and uh, handle the grenades. Police say the devices are a simulator hand grenade. M116A and are white in color with a label reading warning explosive. The public are advised not to handle the devices. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. Uh, no word yet on where the grenade grenades could be coming from. They have no idea. That's the really weird part. <clears throat> uh, this story from San Bernardino, California, where a man. 46-year-old Scott Socha allegedly caused his own accident by shining a laser pointer into the eyes of another driver that he felt was driving too slow. So here's the story. According to the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department, Mr. Socha was driving along Highway 138 a little after midnight um, when he was, he was driving behind a woman. He allegedly felt she was driving too slowly. So he reportedly floored it, passed her car, pulled in front of her, and then slammed on his brakes. Uh, The woman flashed her headlights. Then what are you doing? And he responded by shining a green laser directly into her eyes. Blinded by the light, she rear-ended him. (laughs) No injuries were reported. Uh, but Mr. Socha was placed under arrest for causing the accident. Just for being stupid. <clears throat> and she rear-ended him after his... Okay. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, again, as I said, there are quite a, quite a few stories here. Um, this from the international file of the uh, broken news. A Japanese woman is seeking the help of authorities after a person claiming to be a Russian astronaut stuck in space scammed her out of 4.4 million yen, or about 30,000 U.S. dollars. (laughs) He claimed to be a Russian astronaut stuck in space. Police say the 65-year-old woman located in central Japan had developed a relationship with the suspect on a social networking site where they claimed to be working at the International Space Station and needed money to return home (laughs) because he wanted to marry her. (laughs) If you can help me get home, I'll marry you. Uh, The uh, money the suspect asked for was to cover expenses for a rocket and landing fees on Earth. (laughs) Um... Apparently, she paid him the equivalent of 30,000 U.S. dollars. And then when he came back for more, that's when she called authorities who are currently investigating the situation. They suspect that the perpetrator is not in space after all. I don't think that uh, that's a fairly safe bet, I think. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
This is Ed Lance with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. As we were mentioning a little bit earlier, it is World Mental Health Day. And so with that, a new survey, 2,000 U.S. adults, reports that the average person would spend $827 more on fitness equipment, fitness apparel, and so on if they knew that they would be in the best shape of their lives 20 years from now. So if we knew that that investment would pay off, that it would be a worthwhile investment. Seven in 10 Americans, 72%, say they believe that their health is an investment that will gain value over time. Uh, Nutrition, we're talking about health and wellness here uh, because they do go hand in hand, of course. Nutrition, including healthy groceries, topped the list of recent health-related purchases, 48%. So they try to shop for healthier food. Uh, Health and wellness tech, like uh, fitness wearables, your smartwatches, your Fitbits, fitness apps, that kind of thing, uh, are the second on the list of fitness, health, and wellness-related expenditures. 45% say they have spent money on those. Um, the uh, survey, by the way, was commissioned by Paceline, which is a fitness app, uh, and credit card that, uh, provides rewards for working out. So, uh, that's the, uh, tie in there with this poll, but it was conducted by one poll. They find that among millennials, more than two in five, 45%, so nearly half have invested in their financial wellness. And in wellness experiences, 41% and wellness experiences have become a priority, including wellness-focused travel. Uh, meanwhile, although I would argue that all travel is uh, good for your mental health, you know, to kind of escape for uh, a few days and, and that sort of thing. So it's demonstrated that uh, travel is a, uh, is, a, is a good thing for your mental wellness. Um, investing in personal growth, including a career advisor or life coach was the most popular health and fitness or health and wellness related expenditure among Gen Zers. 46% said that they had gone that route. And this is kind of interesting. The pandemic also shifted how different generations are spending their time and their money in the category of health and wellness. Gen Zers are ramping up spending on recovery services such as massages, physical therapy, and acupuncture, with 44% placing this on their radar for the next year compared to 36% before 2019, before all of this happened. Interesting numbers on uh, how we view health and wellness, uh, both physical and mental, uh, as a priority and an investment that will pay off over time. Something to think about there.
Jennifer Little is with us in the studio this morning, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Educator, the Hancock County OSU Extension. Lots of things going on in the month of October as we uh, head toward the holiday season and all that. Going to be here before you know it. Yes, yes, that. Busy time um, of year. <laughs> first of all, before we get to uh, all of that, though, as we were mentioning, uh, it is uh, World Mental Health Day uh, today. We've talked quite a bit about uh, mental health uh, issues and, and so on. And the OSU Extension actually has uh, an initiative uh, focusing on mental health issues, managing stress in the agriculture industry. As we all know, that is that can be a very high-stress uh, industry. Yes, even, even before the pandemic. In, right. In March of 2019, um, OSU Extension established a farm and rural stress work group just to tackle um, un- unique needs of the rural and farm community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when you think about, you know, we all have stress, you know, related to our jobs, but right. you know, unlike people have, that go in, you know, nine to five. Farmers live their jobs every single day. Right, and and so much. I, I've said it. I, I don't know how many times. Uh, we don't often really appreciate how much uh, of a farmer's livelihood is dependent on things that are beyond their control, like the weather, like, you know, input costs and, you know, market prices. And yeah, so, on. Like, so much it, of that is out of their control. And yet it has a direct impact on their livelihood. Very interesting. We sp- I was down at Farm Science Review, you know, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and we, um, we the, the um, mental health first aid work group, we mm-hmm. had a little booth and we had, you know, we asked people that come to come by our booth and we said, you know, take a corn kernel and put it in a jar where you feel like you feel the most stress. And, you know, most, and, and, you know, we had like family, we had, you know, prices, mm-hmm. we had, you know, um, and, and the guys, you know, many people said, well, I, can I not, I can't just take one. <laughs> like, give me, <laughs> yeah. give me the whole bucket and yeah. let me put it in there. Yeah, and, exactly. And so it was just, you know, so the information that we had was really, really well received and, mm-hmm. and definitely, you know, opened my eyes and you know, being really, you know, still kind of new to extension. Yeah. Just, just some of the concerns that, yeah. that people I, face. I, I don't know of any other business that is so uh, reliant on, on so many things that are beyond your, uh, by, beyond your control. And the other thing, and we've talked about it in the, in the past, the challenge uh, within the agriculture community is in rural areas, there often aren't uh, the mental health services that are available in some of the, uh, now, Hancock County, we are fortunate there is quite a, yeah. a good infrastructure uh, available, but in a lot of cases, that's not always very, very present. true. So again, that part of what Extension wants to do is help connect people to sources resources that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are doing um, another thing that we are um, this kind of initiative that's happened in the last year is um, OSU has gotten a grant to increase the mental health first aid training um, to make. Um, those who are affiliated with the agricultural community, whether it be, you know, Farm Bureau, um, some of the ag services and things. So mm-hmm. making sure that people that whether they're um, working in an area that, where they deal with the, the agricultural community, that they have access to training so they can recognize some signs um, that someone might be in a mental health crisis. And we're like, you know, we you know talk about suicide and some of those things mm-hmm. that can be um, uh something that's really impactful in the agriculture community. So yeah. um, I was just recently trained to do mental, to teach mental health first aid. And I know there's, um, there's actually a website that you can go to um, through OSU to um, 
get trained in the mental health first aid to help recognize those signs, help get someone through a crisis, and refer them to you know local resources where they can get the help. So highlight that uh, for World Mental Health Day, and obviously not just on this one day. Uh, it's uh, available uh, all the time, but certainly want to highlight uh, that. A couple of uh, things that you have going on. We know the farmer's market, we're kind of winding down in the uh, end of the uh, farmer's market season, but you have uh, an update uh, for farmer's market yeah, folks? Yes, um, yes. In fact, um, this in the recent weeks, we were able to get approved to um, accept SNAP, which is the, you know, formerly food stamps, mm-hmm. benefits now can be accepted at the farmer's market. That's big and news. Yes, that is really big news. So those who um, are lower income may have more access to fresh, locally grown fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, um, some of the vendors who couldn't take credit cards before because of the equipment that we've and and the resources they've had access to access the SNAP EBT cards, we have more vendors that can now accept credit and debit cards. Oh, that's which, awesome. <laughs> which is very nice yeah. for the vendors and very nice for and convenient for the customers as yeah. well. And so we have an information tent. So if people are interested in coming and using the debit or credit card, they can stop by the information tent and, and get access to that and get information. And we're there more often too, just doing some activities, increasing people's awareness of stuff that's going on. And we've got this fr- this Thursday, it's the Great Apple Crunch. So um, highlighting um, locally grown apples and celebrating um, some of the wonderful produce that's grown it right here in, in that Ohio. Season oh. it is that season now for the for folks who uh, are SNAP recipients. Uh, can they use those benefits right at the vendors' booths, or do they go through you first? They or go. Um, yeah, they go through the um, information booth. So stop okay. it. We're kind of serving like the little farmers market bank, I guess gotcha. you might say. Okay. So, they can so that's use, what I was yeah, looking. Yeah. So they can. Yeah. And same with debit or credit card users, okay. they can decide how much they want to spend at the farmers market. We scan their cards. They can have access to tokens, which they in turn take ah. to the vendors. And and that purchase their goods. So okay. it's 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 been wonderful, very Pretty very well received. System you got going yes, on there. Yes, so, uh, yes. Check that out uh, at the uh, farmers market, and uh, then you also have uh, a, a fall wellness challenge uh, that you're signing folks up for right now. Yes, yes. Um, it is called un- the theme this this fall is unwrap your gifts. Kind of what we talked about stress, talking about the holidays. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they seem to go hand in hand. Yeah, and so yes, people can sign up for a six week email challenge. And every week they will receive um, an email tackling some aspect of stress. And of course, in the fall, we kind of focus on the holidays, thinking about things like buying gifts, thinking about finances, thinking about just the stress as far as overwhelming our our plate with activities and mm-hmm. things that we have to do. And of course, there's family stress. So we've got six weeks of, of emails to give you encouragement and tips and ideas to help you kind of navigate the holiday season. And then on every Wednesday, there is a, um, a webinar. So d- enable to dig deeper into some of those topics on, you can attend the lunchtime webinar and um, you can register for that free. It's, there's no obligation if you're part of the email challenge to do that. Um, and then as also kind of as fun to help you put what you're learning into action, we've got like an intera- um we've got a bingo game that you can play. We've got, we'll have cards at the office and we can, you can um, we can email you a card if you sign up to do the the email challenge and so yeah we've got um, we'll have information on our website and I think you I get, sent you guys some information you right. can post on your website we'll yeah. have it on our Facebook page as well so uh, you can sign up for that now and the uh, wellness challenge begins six weeks begins when 
Um, Once, actually, Halloween. <laughs> uh, Halloween. Yeah. So uh, you've got so, time. You got a couple of weeks yeah, yet yeah. to uh, sign up for that. Yeah, yeah. Got a couple weeks to sign up, and then it will go Excellent. kind of through the beginning, early December. So perfect timing. Perfect about timing. That. It's gonna. It's obviously every year a very stressful time. So uh, that would be much appreciated. And uh, looking ahead a little bit uh, to November, you've got another uh, dining with diabetes class uh, coming up. Yes. People yes. Sign it up kind for of now. took right. hiatus during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. last spring we um, didn't. We're able to get our class going but yes no um november is diabetes awareness month and we're starting our new diabetes dining with diabetes class it'll be held at the first lutheran church um on main street um, just off main street in mm-hmm. here on finley and it'll be tuesdays from 11 to 1 it'll be november 1st 8th 15th and 22nd okay. so we're encouraging families that are living with diabetes you know it can be a husband and wife or you know it can be an individual that can come and we learn, talk about nutrition and, and man, navigating diabetes from a you know, nutrition standpoint, but then also doing some practical skills as far as great recipes and food preparation techniques that kind of will help someone eat healthier and manage their diabetes. Again, uh, perfect timing for that with the holidays coming. So much of what we do with the holidays centers around food. Yes. So uh, that is uh, good timing as well. And more information about all of uh, these programs available on the website? Yes, yes. And as well as on our, our Facebook page. You okay. can find those links on our website. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, Jennifer Little, again, uh, Extension Educator, Family Consumer Sciences for the uh, Hancock County OSU Extension. Jennifer, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Have a good day. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program is Findlay, an affordable place to live. A close look at families' monthly expenses here compared to other cities in Ohio and around the country points to a perhaps somewhat surprising answer. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.